Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text for this morning is Job chapter 38 verses 1 through 11. Then the Lord responded to Job out of a violent storm. He said, Who is this who spreads darkness over my plans with his ignorant words? Get ready for action like a man. Then I will ask you questions and you will inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you understand anything about it. Who determined its dimensions? I'm sure you know. Who stretched out the surveying line over it? What supports its foundation? Who set its cornerstone in place when the morning stars sang loud songs together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who locked up the sea behind doors when it burst out of the womb? When I clothed the sea with clouds, when I wrapped it with thick darkness as its swaddling cloths, when I broke its power with my decree, when I locked it up behind barred double doors, I said, you may come this far, but no farther. Here is the barrier for your proud waves. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, whenever you preach on the book of Job, it is good to understand the context of the book of Job. Isaiah says, surely you are a God who hides himself. God does not always reveal to us everything that's going on. In fact, he usually doesn't. And one thing that we're never told Job finds out is exactly what was going on behind the scenes. To make a long story short, the devil comes to the throne of God and says, I've beat you. There are no believers left. Now, we believe that Job, he clearly lived before the temple because he made his own sacrifices. We believe that Job actually lived around the time that Jacob's sons were heading down to Egypt, give or take a hundred years. So God says to the devil, oh, you don't think there's any believers left, huh? Have you tried my servant Job? And the devil basically says, Bosh, you've spoiled him rotten. Take all of his property away from him and he will fall right out of faith. God says, okay, have at it. And Job does not fall from faith. The devil goes before the throne of the Lord again. He says, you know what? You have given him good health. If you take away his health, he will fall from the faith. God says, okay. You can do everything, but you cannot take his life. Now, the devil's stupid. Don't get me wrong, I would not want to compete with the devil other than the fact that I have the blood of Christ on me. But think about it. What is faith? Faith is the Holy Spirit, God, living in your heart, connecting you to Jesus Christ so that you receive the blood of Christ. Faith is not a decision we make. It's God's Holy Spirit creating the new man in us, uniting us to the triune God. And so if God says to the devil, go have it, Job, or anybody, do you think God's going to pull himself out of that person's heart? Well, the devil throws his worst at Job. And Job's wife even says, enough, curse the Lord and die. Job's friends come and they think, surely you've committed some sin. God hates you. Confess it. They give him all kinds of lousy advice. Sometimes it seems like he is in work righteousness saying, no, I'm a righteous man. And sometimes it seems to be a strong confession of faith. No, I'm righteous in the Savior. Probably both. He's a sinner and a saint. 
And through all this process, Job gives a very strong confession of faith. Those wonderful words I like to say at the committal of a funeral. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end I will see him with I and not another. With my own eyes I will gaze upon him. Job knew he had a Savior. But in the long run, Job never does fall out of faith. But Job does say the big thing. I just want to know why. And after lots of lousy advice from his friends, it really becomes a desperate mournful, Why, Lord, why? And today is part of the Lord's answer. Do you get the impression the Lord here is saying, You can't handle the why. Listen to those very first parts as he just talks about designing creation. Then the Lord responded to Job out of a violent storm with power. He doesn't come to him with the gentle whisper he does with Ezekiel. Of course, he also smashed rocks and stuff for Ezekiel. He shows power that no human being has. Who is this who spreads darkness over my plans with his ignorant words? Wow. I would not like to stand before the Lord and have him say, Fred, what are you doing telling me how to be God when you are so ignorant? And I am. I'm so ignorant I can preach a sermon to you and you can tell me something you got out of it the following week after the next sermon and I will have already forgotten it. Do you think you can give advice to God and tell him how to be God? We're too stupid. I literally mean that. I don't mean to insult any of us. Because God is all-knowing. Think about it. God knows every thought in your head, every decision you are going to make, every decision you could make, and every decision, every consequence to those decisions, even knowing you're not going to make them. And he knows that. Everybody just in this room, boom, right now in a second, he knows all of that. If I were to pour that much information into one of our brains, including my own, it would simply explode. That's it. It couldn't handle it. While God governs all the creation. Why, God, why? You in your tiny little brain cannot handle the why, so don't start telling me how to be God. So he says, get ready for action like a man. Then I will ask you questions and you will inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand anything about it. As a side note here, brothers and sisters in Christ, There are arrogant, God-hating scientists, and there are wonderful, God-loving, God-fearing scientists. But it's amazing to me how they try to look back and claim how creation came to be without a God. They weren't there. All of the theories of evolution can never be proven simply because a human being would have to observe this happening in another part of the universe over the course of supposedly billions of years. And science can be a good thing when properly applied. I'm not anti-science. But, you know, there's many things that scientists to this day still cannot explain. While they can use DNA and clone people, they still cannot say with certainty what gravity is. I mean, we know it exists. They still cannot say with certainty what keeps the sun. They'll say centripetal force is what keeps all the planets going around the sun. But they won't tell you what keeps it from just falling into space and colliding into something. They can't tell you actually how we can ride a bike. They can say balance, but they can't explain how you're able to ride a bike. All of that, and they want to turn around and claim there's no God. But God knows. God designed all of this. 
Tell me if you understand anything about it. He said, who determined its dimensions? I'm sure you know. Think about this. God designed everything and he shows quite an amount of intelligence. Think about what it takes. If you follow it down, just to be able to do this with your pinky. Just that. Think about how complicated the eye is. We can do a lot of things with the eye, but we can't design it. And lots of times scientists wanting to claim evolution and the reason why they want to do that is for there not to be a God they're accountable to. I don't care what anybody tells you. It boils down to that. They'll say common forearms in animals and stuff. And you know, you can simply say no. It shows a common designer. Why reinvent the wheel? And he designed something so complex. And again, scientists cannot tell you what keeps the earth spinning. If it's billions of years old by now, it should have stopped turning, brothers and sisters in Christ. So, when we want to ask God why, we have to recognize God planned everything. God knows everything that's going on. He even laid out your life. And if he were to give us just the tiniest little drop taste of everything that was going on in his plans, our little brains could not handle it. But then he continues. We've seen he's the one who designed, but let's look at his making. Who stretched out the survey line over it? Who supports its foundations? Who set its cornerstone in place? And of course, he's talking, making an analogy of building. The earth is, is, is round. It's not a square building. When the morning stars sang loud songs together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, as a side note here, aside from the sermon, scripture often refers to angels as sons of God. So this is either somewhere between day one and day four. Nothing exists apart from God before day one. Nothing exists before day one. And by day four, he creates the stars. But scripture often refers to the angels as morning stars. We don't know when God created the angels other than in those six days, but it does appear that he created them very early on in the first day by this text. That's a side note. Moving on. Who locked up the sea behind the doors when it burst out of the womb? When I clothed the sea with clouds, when I wrapped it with thick darkness as its swaddling claws, when I broke its power with my decree, when I locked it up behind barred doors. All of this design, and God's more powerful than the sea, but the sea has come along and destroyed civilizations. God rules over it. God made and designed. And then we see the continue rule. And I said, you came this far, but no farther. Here is the barrier for your proud waves. That's it. God continues to rule. Nothing happens without God allowing it. Doesn't mean God is the author of it, but God has his reasons for allowing it. Back to Job. Why is God doing this to me? Job doesn't know what has happened behind the scenes and that the devil is testing him. Job cannot begin to comprehend how many of us, even in this building today, have received comfort in Job's suffering. Calvinists believe that the central teaching of Scripture is the sovereignty of God. That means God is all-powerful. He created and designed everything. And therefore, God can do as he darn well pleases. And God rules over creation like that. And that is a teaching there. But it's not the central teaching of Scripture. For if that were the central teaching of Scripture, you and I would be in trouble. In situations like Job, we would just have to deal with the fact that God can do what he pleases and I'd better shut up. Period. But the central teaching of Scripture, as Luther quickly discovered and is prevalently there, is the fact that God has declared you not guilty of your sins, not by anything you or I have done, but by His grace. And He did that by taking on human flesh and living perfectly for you, dying for you, rising for you, so that He could wash your sins away and give you His victory. 
So here's the comfort, brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the comfort Job needed. Why? You can't handle the why. It's too complicated. There's too many people in history it's going to impact, and you couldn't even begin to understand that. But God has died for you. God has given you eternal life. So you can be confident that God means this for your good. Yes, God is sovereign. He can do as he darn well pleases. But he has chosen to save you by his son, by taking on human flesh. And he's chosen to limit himself to that. And that's a comfort for you and I. Because if the central teaching of scripture was the sovereignty of the Lord, then we'd have to be worried. Today we're saved by Jesus, but what if God changes his mind? Oh, he has limited himself. He said, this is how I will save everyone, and I will not change my mind on that. And that's tremendous comfort. And so when bad things are happening to you like they were happening to Job, sometimes you can look back and see how God was working for your good. I remember telling a sister in Christ I served as a pastor who was dying from a heart ailment, saying to her, I know one of the reasons why God is doing this. Oh, what's that? Her son had fallen away from the Lord. I said, your son has started talking to me again. He heard me giving a devotion to you and he started calling me. And she grinned and said, it's worth it. I can tell you I would not be in this pulpit before you today if it were not for some very heavy crosses God put in my life. And I can look back in history of my own life and say, God was directing me towards this. But there are lots of things I can never tell you in my own life or in the lives of others what was going on or what's going on when you suffer hardships like Job. But you can be confident that God is using it for your eternal well-being. The proof? The empty tomb is your proof. Your baptism is the proof because God, like he had put the Holy Spirit in Job's heart and told the devil, have at it, you ain't getting him out of there. God sealed his Holy Spirit in your heart. So we see God designed, made, rules the universe for your eternal good. Let's apply that to you. We can't handle the why, but like Job, we can be confident it's for our good and the good of our neighbor. God planned out for you to come to salvation. I can't tell you why God let Adam and Eve fall, but I can tell you part of the answer because he'd already planned to save the human race by taking on human flesh. He had a plan. So he planned for you to know Jesus as your Savior, planned to seal his Holy Spirit in your heart. He made you and he rules over all creation to bring you safely to the day of your eternal redemption when Christ returns. And the proof again, well, he made that promise to you when you were baptized. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, when life gets to be like Job, when the financial problems are coming, when persecution is coming, when Christians who mean well are telling us things that aren't right, when our health is eating away at us, when it seems terrible, you want to ask God why. The one thing you need to know is this why. Because I lived and died for you and rose for you. And I promise you, you can be confident. I have a plan for this and I'm doing it for your good. So in today's text, as we can apply to Job, we see God designed, made, and ruled the universe for your eternal good. Amen. And now the peace of God which transcends all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.